0: Did anyone stay? Did anyone who made it to uh, to 12 o'clock? Anyone make it? All right. Okay. Wow. Less than I thought. That's okay. Who made it past? Who was like, you know what, New Year's? I got. to Who made it to 1 a.m.? Anyone? Okay. 2 a.m. So I do with youth all the time, and they're always lying. But I like to know. Anyone make it to 3? 3, 3 a.m. All right. I see a cup. What? What are you guys doing? Three? Anyone? 4 a.m. What? Now this is the point where I'm like, youth are definitely lying. You know, they're not. There's no way. They stayed, up. anyone, 5 five a.m., come on, anyone, okay, 5 a.m., okay, good, I'm, and you're, you're here, oh my goodness, that is incredible, that, that is a miracle in itself, that's a testament, so great job, guys, guys, give a round of applause, come on, they were, they're here, they made it. So obviously, if you are here, it means that you got enough sleep, you know, it means that you actually went to bed, and if you're not here and you're watching online, that probably means that you didn't make it, and so you woke up at, right now. And are just tuning in in your pajamas, you're like trying to keep your eyes open. Uh, And so, those who are here, I'm glad you guys got a good amount of sleep. Um, And, guys, it's 2023, it's a new year. It's a new year. That's why I actually I chose to wear this shirt today because once, once Christmas is done, spring has got to be here. And so we're really hoping that this is going to help spur it along, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, sunshine, and then summer is going to probably hit in like April. That's my hope. That's my hope because uh, I'm always done with winter once uh, the New Year's is over. Okay, but it's the start of a year, 2023, often, like today's actually the first, like it's the very, very beginning. What a way to ring in the new year, hey? Being at church, gathering together, worshiping, and learning about the Lord, it's awesome. It's so awesome. And so the new year is a time where we can start new routines, we can, you know, get some goals and, you know, be like, I want to accomplish this, I want to do this. The new year is that, because it's kind of like the start of something new, a fresh start, and so we want to like, you know, do some new things. Okay, but often we know it's hard to stick with these New Year's resolutions, right? We, we plan to do something and like tomorrow we're like, okay, that was good. One day was fine. Now I'm going to go back to whatever I'm doing. You know, they're hard, they're hard to stick with. And so in, in uh, light of that, I found some really good New Year's resolutions that I think you guys could take home with you and apply them to your life. So here's, I got five, okay? Here's five and I hope you start doing this. So one, my New Year's resolution is start washing my hands after I use the restroom. What a good one. Anyone taking that home today? Yeah, okay, make, sh- make sure you wash your hands now. Someone get some hand sanitizer, slap it on there. Um, that's a great one. All right, the other one, stop pretending. This is a news resolution. Stop pretending that it's not time to take out the garbage by repeatedly smacking the trash with my arms to make it go down. Okay, anyone do that? You know, you're like, oh, it's not full enough yet. You like shove it down a bit. You're like, I got a little more time and until it's overflowing. Okay, that's a good one. Take out the trash. It's easy. Okay, my New Year's resolution. This one's great. I'm gonna take this one home. My New Year's resolution is to eat more cheese platters. Anyone there? Anyone's like that's, that's the one I'm taking home. More cheese platters for me, please. All right, other one. My New Year's resolution has been, has been. That's a cue uh, to stop procrastinating for like the past six years. <laughs> it's gonna continue, continue every year. So that's you. Take that one and run with it. Okay, last one, and this one's really true. Like I, I say this every single year. My New Year's resolution is start eating more healthy but I have to finish all the junk food first so I don't get tempted. <laughs> you know, I got multiple bags of chips. I got a bunch of chocolate. I'm like, well, if I'm gonna eat healthy, I can't have these sitting here. I also can't throw them away because of the waste, so I just gotta eat them all in one go, okay? And so take that one home. That's the one I'm re- uh, working with this year. Uh, but always fun to start New Year's resolutions. And so, you know, we do these funny ones. We do ones where we're like, oh, I wanna go to the gym, you know, get more in shape, eat better. Uh, but we often sometimes do New Year's resolutions based on our faith. That, hey, maybe I want to pray a little bit more. Maybe I want to, uh, you know, read the Bible a bit more or just grow in my faith. Okay, we have some of those New Year's resolutions about our faith. Myself included, probably you guys as well. Okay, but those things, like, never really tend to work too well. You know, just like the New Year's resolutions. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to, like, add something to our life. We're, like, taking our life, we're like, you know what? I want to be a little more spiritual. I'm going to add Jesus to my life right now. And so we just kind of, we want to add him. On what we are already doing but the thing is Jesus is not an ingredient that we can add to to our life to make it better okay it's like me when I tried I tried to make spaghetti about a month ago okay spaghetti is Kirsten's favorite meal and so I was going to make spaghetti for her uh, but Kirsten when she cooks she's an actual like good cook unlike me she like eyeballs things anyone an eyeballer here where you're like oh yeah I'll just a little dash of this okay she's an eyeballer and she does it well so she like eyeballs things it tastes beautiful so I was like okay I eyeball things. So she, she, she likes like seasoning salt in her ground beef. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to get some seasoning salt and I'm just going to eyeball this. And so I was eyeballing it, cooking it up. I was really proud of myself, guys. I was like, it's just smelling delicious. Um, and so then uh, we ate it. And let me tell you right now, it did not go well. It, it, it did not go well. I am now not allowed to make spaghetti anymore because it's going to wreck it for her. Because I eyeballed way too much salt. It was so salty and so gross. Uh, and so yeah, I'm no longer allowed to make spaghetti. So RIP me. Okay, But sometimes just adding more of something doesn't always make it better. Okay, and so sometimes we want a little bit more of Jesus. We want to add a little bit more. Maybe a little, we want to be a little more spiritual or you know, we want to focus on uh, our life a little bit more with Jesus. But it often doesn't work well because we're just trying to add it to our life and that doesn't make, like, usually make it better. Okay, Because Jesus is not an add-on. Okay, He's, he's someone that we need to focus on and, and actually commit to. Okay, how much do we allow Jesus to impact our life? Okay, this is something I was quest- questioning myself while I was writing this sermon. How much do we allow Jesus to impact ourselves? Okay, maybe you're here and you're someone who's like, you know what? Like, Jesus is not someone that I need to- there's other things that I have to worry about. Like, focusing on a God is not what I need to worry about. So maybe that's you. Okay, maybe you're here and you're in like a really deep despair and you're like, I'm in such a deep hole, but I, like, I can't, like, God can't help me out of this. Like, I need to, I need to find my own way out. Okay, Maybe you're here and that's you, or maybe you're here and you allow God to impact your life, but you kind of don't know how much. You don't know if you should be doing more, if you should be doing less, but what you should be doing. Okay, So we all struggle in some sense at figuring out how to allow God to impact our life, because it's not easy, right? The world tells us that we need to be independent, that you can do it, that you have the, the keys to success, that you're the only one that can help yourself, and we shouldn't rely on anyone else. Okay, but Jesus says to those who call themselves Christians, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Okay, we want our life to be synonymous with Christ. Okay, our life needs to be focused on him. Okay, but not just focused, because we also focus on family, we also focus on our job, we also focus on being healthy. Okay, Jesus can't just be one of those focuses, but he actually has to be even a little bit more Okay, we need to be dependent on him. Dependent on him. And there's a fine line between having Jesus as their focus and being dependent on them. And so that is kind of going to be what we're going to be focusing on today is what is that difference and what does being dependent on him look like? Okay, so there's quite a few examples of people who are dependent on God in the Bible. uh, But God just kind of uh, pointed one out to me. And so we're going to be talking about Daniel today. Okay, so if if you have a Bible and want to flip, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 6. It'll be on the screen as well. Um, But in light of talking about Daniel, guys, Daniel had kind of like this New Year's resolution, they like to say, that I think if you showed up today, that I want us all to participate in. Okay, so if you're here, we're all going to do one New Year's resolution together, okay? We're in? Sound good? Thumbs up? All right, this New Year's resolution, Daniel kind of started it, and it's called the Daniel Fast, and we're all going to start this, okay? If you don't know what the Daniel Fast is, okay, it's where, starting today, that we all give up and abstain from all food except for vegetables and water. All right, starting today. So, those of you drinking coffee right now, you got to put it down. You got to put it down, okay? Because we're starting this today, okay? It's our New Year's resolution. Okay, after the service, tables in the back, we're going to have heads of lettuce for you to grab as you go out, so you can just have a little, a little snack. Um, I, would, I would not do well at this. I don't even eat vegetables barely or drink water, so I would not do so well. And so, I'm kidding, we're not going to do that. That's, you know, people can get to choose that. So, we're not going to start that today. But we'll be starting actually tomorrow. So, get ready, keep your eyes out, it'll be a great time. Alright, so the book of Daniel takes place in the land of Babylon where Israel is in exile. Okay, and so again, we're going to be talking about chapter 6, and I'll be kind of skimming through that story, so make sure if you want to piece it together, read the whole thing later. But at this point, Daniel's already 80 years old, okay, he's done amazing things uh, that God has done through him, and that has kind of elevated him to a position of power in this land that he was exiled in. Okay, and so Daniel had proven to be the best worker in the entire kingdom. Okay, even above those whose kingdom it actually was, like God had elevated him so much that he was second in command. And so that's what King Darius was planning to do, was to make him second in command over the entire nation. Okay, but the thing is, those that were under him did not like that they had this guy going to be above them in power. And so they were trying to scheme a way to get him out of there. Okay, the thing is, they could never find a way to tempt Daniel to do anything illegal. Okay? Daniel was a man of integrity, okay? a man of, of, of his word. And so the only fault that they could try to trip him up in is with his faith. Okay? Because they knew that Daniel prayed three times a day in his home with his windows open, pointed towards Jerusalem. Okay, notice how Daniel did this before he was ever in need. Okay, before, before anything he was ever in need, his life was good, he was in a position of power, he still took three, three times a day to pray to God every day. It wasn't like he was in a bind, and he's like, God, I need you to get me out of this. But he knew that every good thing that he had gotten was from the Lord, and so he wanted to praise him and thank him, and so he prayed three times a day to the Lord. And so this should show us that a developed and established prayer life is very important to a vibrant faith and relationship with Jesus. He didn't just pray when he needed to. So these people got the king to sign a law that the king could not change once it was in place that made it so everyone had to pray and worship the king himself. Okay? Um, and if they did worship or pray anyone else, then they'd be thrown into the lion's den. Okay? So they, they made this happen, they put it out there, and this is what Daniel does immediately after this. It says but when Daniel learned the law had been signed he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room when its win- uh, with its windows open towards Jerusalem he prayed three times a day just as he had always done giving thanks to his god Okay immediately It says immediately once he heard that, okay, most of us would probably be immediately, we would be like, okay, we would take some time to think, okay, what should I do here? Maybe ask a friend, like, hey, what do you think I should be doing in this situation? No, Daniel immediately went to his room and went to God about this situation, okay? That is in itself something that we should be taking note of, okay? Why wouldn't he go pray somewhere else? Why wouldn't he just close his windows? Why wouldn't he just, you know, maybe go out and for a walk and pray around the city? You know, he would avoid getting in trouble, and it wouldn't be that bad. It's an easy compromise, right? See, but sometimes, compromises in our faith paves way for unbelief. Unbelief that God isn't as important or isn't as powerful as a thing that we are compromising for. So in this case, Daniel was compromising for his safety, or was going to compromise for his safety, but he wouldn't. Okay, Daniel only feared the Lord. And when you fear the Lord, you don't fear anything else. One commentary puts it, a believer who knows how to kneel in prayer has no problem standing in the strength of the Lord. So Daniel stayed faithful to God. Okay, we talked about this. We, we worship about this, being faithful to God. And he ends up getting thrown into the lion's den. Okay, and just before the king closes the entrance of the cave, seals it, he yells down to Daniel, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. Okay, King Darius, the guy who's not a Christian, says may the God who you serve faithfully rescue you. This means that in Daniel's life, living his life as who he was and serving God was intertwined. It, was, it wasn't separable. Okay, what he did showed how much he loved Jesus, showed that he served a God. And the the king, who's not a Christian, noticed this and knows that he was serving faithfully to his God. Okay, the night passes, morning comes, the king opens up and yells down again, Daniel, serving the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel replied and said he did. Okay, so because of Daniel's faithfulness to the Lord, the Lord stayed faithful to him and protected him from the lions. Okay, Daniel, the thing is, Daniel wasn't just faithful to God. He was completely dependent on God. He could not live his life without this active relationship with, with him. He depended on God for his every move, every decision he made, everything that he did, it went back to God because, because God was the center of it all. Okay, you cannot detach Daniel's life from God's life. They were intertwined together. Okay, so there's some some misconceptions, though, about what being dependent on God looks like and what it promises. Okay, and I just want to clarify what those are. Okay, being dependent on God does not mean that life is going to be easy for you or that you'll be spared from hardship. Okay, it's easy to look at people in the Bible, big people like, like David and Daniel and all these people that did amazing things and be like, oh man, God uh, helped them do great things and saved them from all this trouble and was faithful to them. But we fail to see the middle, the journey that got them there. That was often riddled with pain, separation, loneliness, and much more. And we also don't see the people who actually don't have that ending of the story, and so it must be pointed out that not every faithful servant of the Lord is delivered from trial and death in some miraculous way. Okay, if you read Hebrews 11, 1 to 35, it's a long part, but it reads all about these people who were faithful to God, okay, that were completely dependent on him, and they did miraculous things and were saved from death in so many different encounters. Okay, It's 35 verses of just faithful servants and how great they were. People like Abraham, Noah, David, Sarah... Joseph, Moses, gave okay, verse 36 to 39 after that, three verses, talks about those who were not saved. And so we're going to read that together. It says, But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the, re- after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. These people had the same faith as those mentioned previously in that passage, but they did not see the same outcome. This is because... Being dependent on Jesus, being dependent on God, does not promise us life and happiness and safety. What it does promise is a hope in eternal life with Jesus in heaven. Like that verse said, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Okay, being dependent on God is not easy. It doesn't always guarantee you joy and happiness and that God is going to save you from every bad circumstance. But it, what it does guarantee you is that God will be walking with you every step of the way. He'll be strengthening you, bringing you peace, wisdom, mourning with you, being joyful with you. Okay, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't guarantee us a happy, safe life, but he does guarantee you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So what does full dependency on God look like? i got two parts to this. The first part is full dependency on God is the rejection of the world and a full surrender of our entire lives to Christ. Okay, depending on God is absolute trust and reliance on him and his word. It's believing that God is all in all. Okay, we got to realize that the world is going to try to tear us away and say, hey, we got the solutions to your problems. You know, we can, if you do this, you'll be happy. If you do this, you'll be saved. If you do this, your marriage will be okay. But none of those solutions will actually withstand the trials of life. They all fail. They're all empty promises meant to give you quick happiness, quick joy, a moment of peace. But when the trials of life, trials of life comes, it's going to be gone. Those things will not hold up to what is happening. It's only Jesus that has the ability to save us. And the reason why we know this is, we can, is because we can look back and see his track record in all the lives of everyone that he encountered in the Bible and even in our lives as well. Sometimes when we depend on God, we expect that to mean that God's going to work in our life in a very particular way to us. Okay, that he's going to do what we perceive as the right way. Okay, I've been very guilty of this. I believe that, you know, that I know what's best for my life, and so God should do it this way but I fail to see the, all the moments of God being faithful and pouring out his grace and power and mercy in my life. And sometimes I still think I know what's best. I'm like, God, if you gotta you do this because this is what's gonna be good. Okay, that doesn't mean that we should be doing that. Maybe some of you have done the same. And so when I do that, I need to take a step back. I need to look and compare God's track record with mine. And always, 100% of the time, God's is always better, even if it doesn't seem so in the moment. Okay, God's faithfulness proves his future faithfulness. Because again, he is never changing. He's the same today as he is tomorrow as he was yesterday. So the first point, full dependency on God is a rejection of the world and a full surrender of our entire lives to Christ. Okay, the second part, full dependency does not change based on life circumstances. I feel like Christians struggle when it comes to trusting God when life changes on us. You know, some people, I would say not as many of us, but some people will say they depend on God when when life's good. When it's easy, they're like, you know, I'm all into God, he's the one that I go to all the time because it's easy to trust him when life is good. But when things get tough, they turn away from him because they don't believe that he's the one that will be able to save them from the trouble they're in, but they feel like they can muscle their way out of it themselves by their own strength. And I feel like it's not most of us, but that's where some people go. When life changes, that's what they do. But most people will only depend and turn to God when life gets difficult. Okay, they start crying out to God to help them, be like, God, I need you. Help me in a situation. I'm struggling. Okay, they pray and pray and pray and pray, asking God, God, take this cup from me. Like, Help me out here. I need you so much, pleading with him to save them from their circumstance and to do something miraculous in their life. And then when God does... In his timing, because he's faithful, they say thank you, and then they kind of turn away from him because they don't need him anymore. He's not helping them anymore, that they are doing fine, and so they turn away and they don't need him. And I feel like lots of us do that. I have done that before. Oswald Chambers once said, Troubles almost always make us look to God, but his blessings tend to divert our attention elsewhere. Depending on God is necessary in the good times and the bad times. It's unceasing dependence, not dependence when we need it. Okay, like Daniel, we see that before he was taken to captivity, he was faithful to God. He's fully dependent on him, and then when he was taken into ca- captivity, he continued to be faithful and continued to depend on God for every good thing. Okay, even though his circumstances changed, in the good and the bad, Daniel had discipline and dependency on God. He did not waver when things got difficult. Okay, circumstances shifted, but his dependency didn't. Joseph, a man of great faith, is an example of a believer who trusted God regardless of the circumstances. Okay, God permitted Joseph to be treated unfairly and thrown into prison so that he could learn to trust in God and so that when the time came that Joseph had put all his faith and all his trust into him and to learn to wait on the Lord and his timing. And we know, like Joseph learned, that God's delays are not God's denials. He works in his own time. He is working something in us and through us. And what we have to do is we have to trust and be patient and wait on the Lord to see those promises fulfilled. And so you might be sitting here asking, Okay, I know I need to trust God. I know I need to trust him in, in the good and the bad, but what if my situation never gets better? What happens if I never get elevated to the palace like Daniel did and Joseph did? My one encouragement to you if, you, if that's you, is that if you are faithful to God, I guarantee you 100% that you will see the palace. It may, may, may not be on this earth, but there's a palace and a crown that will be rewarded to you in heaven. And when entering heaven, you'll be greeted by Jesus, saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now that's a reward that is worth all the struggle on this earth. And those that aren't faithful, because God didn't elevate them to a place of power, to the palace, when their their time on earth is done, they'll go to God and want to be with them, but he will say to them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So guys, if you stay faithful to God and be dependent on him, he will be faithful to you. Okay, dependency is not something that we just decide to do and suddenly we are dependent on him. Okay, it's something that we have to build and work at over time. Okay, it is when our life is so intertwined with Jesus that we cannot separate our life from his life. And so how does our life become dependent on Jesus? It's by building our life upon him as our foundation for everything. Matthew seven twenty four twenty nine 29 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And so how do we start to build our life on Jesus as our foundation? It's actually, in my opinion, quite easy. The difficult part is giving up our old foundation of what we had built our life on. Okay, so we're going to get really practical. Some five tips on how to become a little bit more dependent on God and to build our life upon them. And so you can write these down. You can say them out loud. You can, I don't know, whatever you would like to do. We got five of them. Okay, first one. Lay down our crown revelation 4 10 to 11 says and they laid their crowns before the throne and say you are worthy o lord our god to receive glory and honor and, pr- and power for you created all things and they exist uh, and they exist because you created what you pleased okay this starts by acknowledging that god is the creator of everything that he is the lord almighty and so to do this we got to take our proper position and recognize god as that That he alone creates, maintains, and upholds. And so something to to do that, take time. Open your Bible, read through creation, okay? The creation story of how beautiful God created everything and how by his words things were created, okay? Read through the Old Testament miracles that God did through people, okay? Read through Jesus' miracles and what he did as he walked on this earth, okay? And even read through Revelation. If you do this, it'll help remind you that God is in control of every situation, that everything is underneath his feet and that he alone has created and upholds everything i've also i've often heard people make promises to god kind of like trying to persuade him to heal them change my circumstance like god like hey if you do if you do this like i'll be more faithful if you do this like i'll be i'll be a nicer person okay but this isn't believing in god okay it's bargaining with him True faith confesses that the Lord is God Almighty and accepts and obeys everything that follows. That's what true faith is. Not, if you do this, I'll be faithful. Right? It's faithful in every circumstance, in everything that happens. Number two, trust God at his word. Every word that comes from the mouth of God can be, trust, can, can be trusted and relied on, Okay? The world will try to give us wisdom and truth and power, saying like, hey, take this and you will will have all those things. But we need to trust God and what God says is that he gives us wisdom. He gives us power. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And that is what is, is better than what the world can offer. Okay, he is the well that we draw everything from. Right? Like the Samaritan woman at the well who, when Jesus asked if she wanted some living water, she's like, how can you offer what's greater than what's already here, the well that Jacob built? How can there be something greater? But what Jesus offers is greater than any well that this earth can ever have. It's better than anything on this earth, and so when we build our life upon him and upon his word, he will start something good in you. A living water springing up in you. Like Paul said in Philippians 1-4, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. His promises always come true. And so let's start this year trusting what God has said and trusting what he promises. Okay, third one. Often said, everyone always says it, but it's all, it is important and it is very important. Is spend time in the Bible, in God's word. Okay, in order to build our life upon Jesus, we need to come close to him and spend time daily in his word. How else are we going to cling to the promises of Jesus when the world is telling us all these other things unless we are spending time with him daily? Okay, like the living water that Jesus offers us, let us desire spiritual food above anything else. Okay, Jesus lasted 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, hanging on to the word as his nutrients and the word sustained him for that long. And so let's build that kind of desire in us that it isn't, we want nothing else but the word, the truth, and what God gives us. Okay, every person is different. So I don't want you guys to set unrealistic expectations. Some of you guys are already in the word daily and are spending time. And so I encourage you, continue to do that. But also, like, take it a step further. Get more of that word. Get more of that nutrients. Maybe listen to a couple podcasts or another sermon online or get together with people and, and continue diving into the word. Okay, maybe you're here and you don't spend time in the Word every day. Maybe you're like barely opening your Bible. I encourage you, just start by opening your Bible. Okay, take a, take a peek inside. Maybe one time a week. Take some time to pray. But we just need to continue to increase our time with God if we want Him to be our foundation. If we want Him to be our one hope and true joy is we need to spend time with Him in the Word. That's the third one, spend time, spend time in the Word. Fourth one, spend time in prayer. Also is said a lot, but it's very important. Okay, when it comes to building our life on God, we need to be close to Him. We need to be intertwined with Him. Okay, there's one, a couple months ago, uh, our staff was going through a book that we were just reading through, and... Um, And there's something that struck me one week about how, you know, our focus needs to be on God. And sometimes we can often turn to our own abilities and trust those of God's. And it just made me realize that, you know what, maybe I actually haven't turned to God and prayed about youth and let him have youth for a while. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to spend the next half an hour and just pray and say, God, like, take this. This is yours. I need you. Okay? It was a simple prayer. Nothing crazy. Nothing uh, amazing happened to me in that moment, but that night at youth, it was a smaller night at youth, um, and we had a good night. But at the end of the night, after the sermon, we gave a little bit of an altar call, and six kids decided to give their lives to Jesus. Okay, and six others kind of rededicate their lives, saying like, you know, I want to do this again. I want to follow Jesus. And my message wasn't great, like it it wasn't anything special, but it's the Lord working, giving it to the Lord and say, God, I need you, I want you. And time with the Lord in prayer does just that. It changes our hearts and elevates Christ. And he can do that in your heart if we spend time with him. And so let's take time this year to actually spend quality time, not garbage time, quality time with Jesus. It's as simple as praying after you finish reading. Simple as taking a little bit of time to pray. I just have a reminder that goes off my phone at a certain time, it says, hey, take time to pray. So do that. But guys, there's no better place than a heart that is connected with God. And last but not least, the fifth one is, wait patiently on the Lord. Psalm 37 7 says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. We know that God's ways are not our own. He knows beyond what we can ever comprehend. And so like Joseph, where he learned that God's delays are not his denials, we can learn that God is working beyond what we can see. And so we just need to wait patiently, knowing that God is working out something incredible in his timing, even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment. Okay, this takes practice, faith, and surrender. But little by little, as we surrender moments to Him, the easier it is to fully build our life on God as our only foundation in life. It's little moments, increments. And so if we do that, we will grow to not waver in believing God's promises and know that absolute assurance that He will come through in the end for us. And so as we finish, when we do these things, we aren't just adding Jesus to our life. It's not just adding that on as an extra, but it's building our life completely dependent on Him. Imagine what would be, okay? Imagine with me. By the end of this year, if our lives were completely built upon and dependent on Jesus and Him alone, okay, nothing would be able to shake us. Nothing would be able to make us stumble, okay? No world event, no political news, no life change, no illness, nothing would change how we live our lives because our lives are not tied to any of those things of this world because our life is tied to Jesus and built upon Jesus who is the same today as he will be at the end of your life. Unchanging, forever loving, the giver of hope, our anchor in the storm and that when the winds of wave of life hit us as they will, we will remain steadfast not crashing, not wavering, because we are secure and strong in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is the hope that we have, that he will hold us, he will sustain us, he will renew our strength, he will give us perfect peace, he will anchor us in the storm, our faith will be deepened. And so when I picture this here, this is what I see. Okay, 2023 is the start. I see a church where each individual has built their life upon Jesus as their foundation. And through that, a church that has its foundation built upon Jesus will not waver when the storms comes against it, but will continue to push towards Jesus and see people saved, see people freed. Okay, miraculous things will happen to a church that is anchored in Jesus and dependent on only Him. I hope that you are willing to be that church this year. Because it starts with you. It starts with your foundation. And so this year, today, let's choose what we are striving for this year. Are we going to build our lives on our own things and on the world? Or are we wanting to build our life on Jesus and Him alone? So let's strive toward Jesus and be the only thing that He can anchor that we anchor ourselves to. Let's just pray to finish. Lord, there's no one like you, God. There's no one beside you, Jesus. That you are the author and perfecter of this, of our faith, God. That you created this world, that you created us by your hands, Lord. And you uphold us by your mighty hand, Jesus. And so we thank you, God, that you are faithful. We thank you that you are a good God. And we are thankful that you call us to yourself, God. That you say, hey, build your life upon me. I will be your foundation. And so, God, we declare today, God, that we want you to be our foundation. Jesus, that we want to build our entire life upon you so that our life is intertwined with you and it cannot be separated because it is is only by you that we live, Jesus. And so God, would we build our life upon your foundation this year. God, would 2023 be a year of growth, a year of trust, Lord, a year of depending on you regardless of the circumstances, Jesus? That you, and and that we'll be reminded that you are the same today as you are tomorrow, that you were yesterday God, and that you are always faithful. Always loving and always pouring out your grace, your truth, your love, your wisdom, your peace, Lord. You walk with us through every storm, through every high in life, Jesus, you are there. God, so thank you, Lord, would we depend upon you this year, Jesus. Would that mark what we do this year, dependency in Christ and Christ alone? We thank you so much, Lord, for this time, Jesus. And as we go, Lord, I pray, would we grow in our faith this year, Jesus? Would we be challenged? And would we just wanna see you glorified above all else, Lord? And so we thank you, Lord. We pray all of this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Amen.